From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. We are starting today, though, talking about childcare. And as everybody knows, probably there is a great need for childcare spaces in this province. So, why did a childcare facility that had already been approved at first and second reading in Port Coquitlam, why did it stall at that point? We are joined now by Port Coquitlam City Councillor Paige Petru to talk a little bit more about this. Councillor, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I know there's been a lot of attention paid to this, and maybe if uh, I'll back up a little bit, can you kind of take us through again? So this was a child care facility. It was a proposal for this space that would uh, be a space for 65 kids. It was a rezoning on Grant Avenue, and it had already been given first and second reading. What happened after that? Yeah, so the daycare itself is, on, like you said, on Grant Avenue. It's a residential street. There's no commercial um, on it whatsoever. And this particular lot is kind of mid-block on that street. Um, and so what happened was we, we had a public hearing and we had an outpouring um, from residents on the street that had a lot of concerns. Um, the primary one that resonated with council was around traffic, parking, and just general safety. Um, the street itself does have already a lot of congestion, a lot of um, parking, street parking. I took the time to go and visit the street myself, and it, I would describe it as a bit of a parking nightmare. So some of those concerns that were raised were, you know, there was some valid issues that we didn't want to put parents and staff of the daycare in a position where, um, you know, they can't find parking. There's 65 kids. They need the parents need to get in and drop off and, you know, unload their infants and toddlers from the cars and get them in across the street. You know, there's no crosswalks. There's no sidewalks on that street. So um, it was a very dynamic um, discussion that took place in council chambers. Did those concerns only come about, though, when, and you talk about the outpouring from residents, was it nine people that came out to, to object? So I believe we had nine speakers, which is where that number has come from. The council chambers was full that evening. There was standing room only. Um, it was quite an animated crowd. So um, it, it was one of the, I mean, I've been on council now for a year, and I know a lot of my other colleagues uh, had mentioned it you know, was the kind of most lively public hearing that they have seen in a really long time. So it definitely made an impact. And with the concerns that you raised, then did, did those concerns or was that not part of the rezoning uh, proposal when it when it did pass first and second reading? Because I think that's what's what can be confusing as well, is that why was council on board for the first and second reading? And only when it got to this stage, did these concerns uh, become an issue? Yeah, I mean, I think council, our council has been very um, gung ho, for lack of a better term, when it comes to finding more childcare spaces and approving more childcare spaces. I mean, I myself, I'm a young mom. I've got two young kids. One of them's in full-time daycare. One of them has special needs. And we had a lot of significant challenges finding daycare spots. So uh, it's not only myself, it's the rest of council is very aware of the lack of daycare spaces um, and the challenges that working parents face trying to find childcare so that they can go to work and pay their bills. 
Um, so, you know, that was, a, you know, we were excited to see this proposal come forward because it was more childcare spaces. We were aware it was on a residential street. Um, I don't think any of us really anticipated such a strong opposition from people on the street. There were some discussions around traffic and parking and the number of parking stalls that were planned. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it really wasn't as much of a concern until we had the public hearing. And, you know, we among council kind of noted that this is why we have public hearings. You know, we have an obligation to hear the concerns of all residents, those that are, you know, directly affected by the change, you know, in their neighborhood. And of course, those that are struggling to find daycare spots. So it's really a matter of hearing from everybody and, you know, weighing the concerns and, and doing our best to, to make the right decision. I understand some of the speakers also uh, cited some of the reasons or, or brought up uh, their reasons uh, that there was the potential of decreased property values if this child care centre went ahead. And one speaker apparently uh, talked also about the fact there are bears in the area and it might not be safe for a daycare. Do you think those are valid reasons? Uh, personally, no, I don't. Um, I, I can't speak for everyone on council, but I know some kind of shared my opinion that, you know, the, those concerns at property value, I don't, I certainly don't think it would decrease, um, you know, based on having a childcare. I think there's many families that would see that as a benefit to have a, a childcare facility so close within walking distance to their home. I know at me as a young family, I certainly would. So, um, and the bears, that's a challenge that every, every, one faces in Port Coquitlam. We live with nature and that's just, you know, what comes with living in such a beautiful area. So I, I don't, I think the main concerns that were raised that council really heard was related to the safety, the, the safety of the traffic, the parking, the crossing the streets. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think there were a lot of concerns raised and um, some, you know, maybe carried more weight than others. Uh, so where is the project now as far as is it being reconsidered? It is, yeah. I know myself, I've talked to a lot of members of council. We've had, been having some discussions with staff. Um, you know, we are certainly listening to, you know, the feedback that we have received from everybody in the community. And we're looking forward to having a second look at it to see, you know, where can we find solutions, you know, look at the concerns of neighbors, the concerns of people that are looking for childcare. And, you know, there's been some early discussions about what kind of upgrades could the city maybe make to this street um, to make parking and traffic and crosswalks and sidewalks, uh, you know, a reality, make it a little bit safer, look at daycare capacity and potential parking regulations and that sort of thing. So I'm really excited that we're going to have another look at it upcoming um, next week. And, you know, I think our council is really committed to finding some some proper win-win solutions on this one. Right. So so you voted against it. But if those issues are dealt with or, or there there is a solution found, could, do you see yourself voting in favor? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I live this reality. I know how much we need child care. Um, I was, you know, excited to see the proposal come forward, you know, such a, a big child care. I mean, we have a lot of um, daycare facilities, you know, that are maybe 12 kids max, eight kids max. And to see a 65 kid daycare come forward, that's a lot of spots, a lot of families that, you know, really need those spots, um, you know, so they can go back to work and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. I can see myself voting in favor of it. I hope that we can 
look at those solutions and um, make get to a point where the rest of council feels comfortable and be able to move forward with this. All right. Councillor Petru, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate uh, you coming on the show today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. We are talking about a daycare proposal. It is a centre that would be for 65 children on Grant uh, Grant Avenue in Port Coquitlam. It was rejected after it got first and second reading after a public hearing where a number of speakers came to Port Coquitlam Council. We just chatted with Councillor Paige Petru, uh, one of the councillors that voted against this plan. The only councillor that voted in favour is Port Coquitlam City Councillor Glenn Pollock. And Glenn Pollock is on the line with us now. Thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you for having me, Jill. Uh, why did you vote in favour? You were the only one, I understand, who voted in favour of, of going ahead with this uh, daycare centre. Well, I think daycare spots are desperately needed, not only in Port Coquitlam, but like in the whole, throughout the whole mainland. And I I suppose I... Uh, I just uh, outweighed the, you know, I, th- I think the positive of those 65 additional spaces outweighed the negative. So. Uh, we, d- we were just talking about some of the reasons that were brought forward. Uh, um, people saying traffic would be an issue, that this particular uh, street or Grant Avenue doesn't have sidewalks or, or adequate parking. Uh, do you think, th- are those legitimate reasons or concerns? They are, uh, Jill, they are legitimate uh, concerns, but, uh, and it, I was glad that, uh, you know, there was only nine people that got up to the mic because people are nervous, but there was a, a full house that, that night. But um, I, I think the developer, or the, no, it's not the developer, certainly if the building is, uh, it's going to be a tenant issue, but the, the daycare operator who's going to be the tenant of that building, I think addressed those concerns. He, he, uh, he did, uh, you know, point out that there are six parking spots uh, on, the, on the premises of the daycare, and only two of those are probably used for staff parking. So we had... He had um, he had an area for drop off basically, and and daycare is staggered drop off. Uh, you know, I have grandkids, and I've taken them preschool and daycare. And preschool starts at a defined time; everybody shows up at once. But but daycare, I think, is staggered, and people will come. You know, when they start work type thing. So I, I think um, I think the street's busy. I know Grand Avenue well, but. Uh, but I think the developer addressed those concerns adequately to, to me anyway. So. Uh, some of the others that spoke at the meeting uh, had some different reasons, uh, some saying that they were fearful that property values would go down if there was a child care centre. Uh, there was a concern about bears in the area, which which I thought a little strange, given that if that's a true concern, then then why would you have kids at all in uh, in a neighbourhood? But, but what are your yeah. thoughts on the property taxes and, and people, and, and noise as well? It sounded like people didn't like the idea of a daycare which could be noisy well the property values i think if, i don't think they'll be affected at all but if anything i think they'd go up having uh, you know that access to a daycare that close to your your homes um and the uh, uh as far as the bear is concerned i mean uh, my, my dog i was walking my dogs the other day and a bear was in a garbage can and my dogs went nuts and he didn't even he didn't even look at us see the bears are interested in one thing garbage or fruit they're not interested in people but um uh, the children's noise i can't think of a better noise than children at play but uh i don't think it'd be an issue either they had you know they had a, a, a backyard or playground in the backyard but i don't think kids throughout the day it's not like it's going to be in the middle of the night where people are making noise i i don't see that as an issue either i think the only the only uh, concerns that were raised that were valid were the 
were the lack of parking on the street and the, and the increased traffic, which I think, I, like I said, the developer, I think, or the, the daycare operator addressed. So. so when it comes back, because it is now being reconsidered, if it, if it comes back and the developer, the, the operator then has dealt with those, do you think that, that council will approve it, that it will go ahead? I hope so. I mean, you know, like we got a great council. They're all awesome people and they're, they, they're, you know, in the chairs they're in because they love Poco and, uh, so they're all, you know, reasonable uh, people. And so, yeah, I think that, that, that maybe that they'll reconsider. You know, I hope so. I, I've been, like I say, I've been in favor of it from the get-go. So and I hope they reconsider. When it got first and second reading, and I, and I put this question to, to one of the other councillors as well, was this not part of it or was it, was it not explained in the proposal, the rezoning, that this was the, the child care centre plan and, and that information was there? Because it seems you don't often see something get approval first and second reading and then suddenly halted. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, uh, no, we hadn't discussed the tra- tra- traffic to any great degree at the first and second reading. Um, uh, it was when people got up to the microphone and, 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 and pointed out that it really became an issue. The first two readings were, were about this aesthetics, having it, we talked about fitting it into the neighbourhood from an aesthetic point of view, but I, I know Grand Avenue well, and I knew the traffic issues there, but like I said, it's not a concern for me because I think the, the developer or the daycare operator has, has addressed that. So, so yeah, it wasn't, uh, maybe some other members of council didn't realize that. And after, um, uh, I mean, I, 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 I think it's great that all of us, I mean, I know Grant and I, I went there just to double check and I think all members of council went and had a look. So, uh, maybe that uh, after second reading, maybe some went there and saw it too and saw how much traffic it was in that. And that came to light at that point for them. I can't, I can't speak for them. Right. Okay. I, but but like you said too, uh, there's one the concerns of of Grant Avenue already being very very much full of parked cars. It doesn't have a sidewalk. The, it sounds like those those are things that this operator uh, can can overcome. I think so. And you know what I mean. If any in every development we get, when pe- people come to the microphone to speak against Jill, they go to worst case scenario right away. So uh, there's going to be I, you know you hope that some of the people that uh, get spots in that daycare will will uh, live in the neighborhood and walk their children to the daycare. You hope that some of them will have siblings, so there won't be, you know, 65 cars every day dropping off and picking up. But if that is the worst-case scenario, I think this uh, daycare operator has addressed the concerns anyway. So All right, well, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think in four months down the road, people won't even – it'll just become part of the neighborhood, and they won't even, you know, they, they won't even, you know, think of it at all. So. All right, well, we That's will be hope. watching uh, when it comes back to council. Glenn Pollock, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Earlier this week, we were talking about a vote that took place in Richmond, and City Councillor Michael Wolf joined the show talking about why he voted against the idea of a rapid bus. This is on the list of TransLink proposals for rapid bus routes. This one in particular would be linking Richmond Centre to Metro Town. And one of the reasons that Richmond City Council rejected this idea is because the proposal comes with a plan to make one of the lanes of traffic for the rapid bus only, not for other vehicles. And Richmond councillors said that would be a traffic nightmare in some cases. It would cause a lot of extra traffic for people driving on those routes, and they rejected the plan. So what does that mean for other rapid bus routes that TransLink is proposing? Does it mean they go to other cities or... Will they not be happening at all? Well, joining me now to uh, talk a little bit more about this is Mike Hurley, the mayor of Burnaby, also vice chair of the TransLink Mayor's Council. Thank you so much for taking the time today. 
Well, thank you for having me on. Were you surprised at all, or or what is your reaction to Richmond Council coming out quite strongly against this uh, rapid bus proposal? No, I don't think I was uh, surprised at all. I, I heard a pretty consistent message uh, from Mayor Brody, and uh, so you know it didn't didn't really surprise me at all. They didn't they didn't feel that uh, the road network that was being proposed. Uh, would have would have been very efficient to have that type of uh, of a bus running on there, and uh, you know we have to respect their decision. They know their community better than certainly than I do. Would you have liked to have seen this though, and and this route, this rapid bus project, or this particular route, which would have linked uh, Richmond and Burnaby? Well, we uh, we didn't really have a good look at that route. We wanted to see what where Richmond were going because the majority of the route is within Richmond. So it really was a lot of their decision to make. So we waited to see uh, where Richmond would go, and and you know we we uh, support their decision that that's how they feel about uh, about uh, not being able to make it work. Uh, what would it mean then for, for Richmond to, to come out and say, no, we are not going to support this? And I believe they even went against some of the staff recommendations to come back and, and maybe tinker with what traffic would be allowed and what it would look like. Uh, they didn't uh, they didn't accept that either. Does it mean that that particular route then is off the table or, or are there is there room perhaps to change the idea, to change the plan? Well, I think, you know, there will be uh, different ideas that will come out for that route. Uh, It is an important route, I think, and a lot of people, uh, it can affect a lot of people. So I think we'll be back to the drawing board and see if there's a a different uh, and more, uh, more of an idea that the city of Richmond could agree with. In the meantime, though, do you think this will mean that that investments in rapid bus and these types of improvements, will those be redirected and those go to other parts or other priorities in Metro Vancouver? Well, I know it's uh, within TransLink. We are hoping to move three of these forward as quickly as possible. Um, We're discussing those routes again next week. What will be the three priorities? So so if uh, we're able to achieve uh, the funding uh, we will be moving forward with three routes as quickly as possible so it's just that that route uh, from metro town to richmond will will go on the back burner for a piece now and when you say if we're able to achieve the funding where does the funding have to come from well it'll be as all uh, that type of funding comes from it's shared between uh, between uh, two senior levels of government and and uh, the TransLink, uh, the other cities involved. So, so that's, uh, you know, we have to get agreement uh, from the other levels of government to fund their share of it. Uh, at uh, the same time, so we'll, we've seen Richmond overwhelmingly reject this, uh, the, the TransLink proposal, and again, the proposal to establish the, the bus rapid transit service, the BRT, uh, linking Richmond and Burnaby. So overwhelmingly rejected from Richmond City Council. But then today we're hearing from Surrey Council, uh, Surrey Council saying they would like to have the first BRT, the first bus rapid transit in the region, taking a look at a route that would run uh, the King. George Boulevard area from the city centre in Surrey to South Surrey. Uh, does this, having Surrey Council want this type of transit, want bus rapid transit, does that kind of bump them up to the top of the list? 
Well, they'll be, you know, certainly at the top of the considerations. I think eight councils uh, in the last two weeks passed motions that they want to they want to be included in the rapid buses that are proposed. There are nine different proposals right now, and uh, obviously the one from Metro Town to to uh, Richmond that's down to eight now. So out of those eight, will be chosen the first three to go ahead and. Perhaps Surrey will be there. Uh, we'll, we'll see when that vote happens uh, this week at TransLink. Uh, what are the factors or what, what gets considered when voting and deciding which one of the routes do are the priorities? Well, there's ridership uh, and, uh, you know, that's that's one of the top ones. And then there's, uh, uh, you know, where it would help people to get to work. That's a second factor. And then, of course, there's ease of actually doing it. Some routes are better suited to it, to it than others, and will take less design, and probably be a bit cheaper to build. So, those are three of the of the main factors that would be taken into consideration. Right, and and with Surrey, uh, there uh, th- they put out the release as well, uh, saying again that they were were hoping to be first, saying that that based on the review, uh, looking at those nine proposed bus rapid transit corridors, that the one they're hoping for has the highest existing population, the highest existing transit ridership, and and some other benefits going to it. So d- does that seem? It seems like they're they're putting that information out there or putting out the, those reasons, uh, saying that that's why uh, they should be chosen yeah and 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 you know they have valid points to make but i think all communities can make can make uh you know valid points to why they should be first too so so those decisions will be made this week as, as the mayors sit down to vote on on what will go first what will go second what will go third and then we'll get back to the drawing board and see what comes out of that so so yeah Surrey are, are putting their are letting their feelings be known, but uh, other municipalities have similar thoughts. And do you know, with, with the the bus rapid transit routes that, that are being considered, and like you said, there are a number of councils that have said they're in favour of it, are they all the, the same model as, as what was being proposed for the Richmond Metrotown link in that it is a dedicated bus line for rapid buses and that, that traffic would then be moved off of that lane of traffic? That's correct. Yeah, that's that's the model that's being looked at. That's what the BRT model is. Although it can be modified in certain sectors if it doesn't, certain sections of the road, if that doesn't work. But the majority of the routes would be expected to be uh, uh, bus lanes only. And are are you surprised at all that other councils or other areas are, are okay with that, whereas Richmond overwhelmingly, again, was opposed to it, saying this is going to cause great traffic congestion in the other lanes on the roads? It seems like a, a really different take to it. Yeah, well, you know, Richmond have made their decision, but other councils believe that they can make it work within their jurisdiction. We all know how much the uh, transit system is overrun at present, and, and uh, we need to find better ways to deliver transit. And this is a very cost-efficient way to deliver transit as well. Uh, by going the rapid bus, by using the existing infrastructure? Correct. Yes. Uh, one of the other concerns was also one of the city councillors brought up uh, the concern saying if they were going to go with that, so what, what it, who would be paying for uh, changes to the streets as far as maybe on-ramps or off-ramps, changes to make the route actually work? Do you know, is that something that the municipality or the city getting the route, are, are they on the hook for those costs? 
that's not my understanding. My understanding is that that would be part of the, the capital cost of delivering uh, delivering the service. Uh, but, however, ongoing maintenance would likely fall into the hands of, of uh, the host cities. All right. And sorry, I think you, you mentioned this. When do you think that we'll, we'll see uh, decisions from TransLink or see decisions on, on what the, the top picks might be or where these bus routes might be going first? That will be next week at, at, uh, at the meetings held by TransLink Mayor's Council next week. All right. Mayor Mike Hurley, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for making some time for us today. No worries. Thank you. This is a fun story, and I'm guessing it will perhaps prompt some memories for people. You might think of a song you haven't thought about in some time. Billboard has released for the Hot 100's 65th anniversary. They have released the staff-ranked picks for the 500 best pop songs that have graced the music charts since way back in 1958. And joining me to talk more about this is Eric Alper, music publicist and commentator. Eric, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, and I'm so glad that you and I are not only going to count down the top 10, perhaps, but we're going to sing them oh. as well for the very first time. Let's go. Number 10. No, uh, oh, no, that's not what we're doing? Uh. Sure, I can roll with that. Ah. Sure. <laughs> Some uh, very cool songs, though. Let's talk about the list. So, so staff picks as well. I love that they've done that, that they've put those numbers or they put those songs out there. Yeah, and especially because of their staff picks, you know that this stuff is going to go viral for all the right and the wrong reasons. If they just decided to say, look, we went through all the Hot 100, and mathematically we figured out that if you were on the chart for one week, you would get one point, and if you hit number 100, then you would get one point, and so forth and so forth, until you got to number one, be worth 100 points. But that's not what they did, which is genius, mm-hmm. because that means then that more people are going to share and argue and love this list because it's their own personal likes. But, you know, the Billboard staff is seemingly one of the best in the world when it comes to figuring out pop songs. It's their business and has been for 65 years. So, um, But when you go through the top 10 and even, even every song on there, it, it's going to bring back such a flood of memories because that's the great thing about music. It has the ability to put you right back into those times when these songs came out, whether it was rock or rap or R&B, country, or any of the all above. Exactly. And, and before we get into the list and take a look at this, Eric, how would you, and I know this question came up, even when they were putting the list out there, how would you actually define pop? Um, well, you know, back in school, when I took the history of rock and roll, it was really simple. It was anything that was popular. So growing up in the 70s and 80s, you could listen to pop radio and you would hear everything from the Archies, followed by Duran Duran, followed by Weird Al Yankovic. So whatever was there. But now it's kind of like it's got to be catchy. It's got to make you feel something. It has to make you either laugh or cry or get angry. Um, and it has to be instantly memorable. From the moment that you first hear it, by the time that they get to the second chorus, it should already be an earworm in your mind that you just can't get it out. And it's one of those things where when somebody says a word like, I don't know, 
come on, Barbie, let's go party, <laughs> you now have that song in your head for the rest of the day, and you can thank Jill and I for that. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I like to, I think one of the, the staff members, again, being asked about this, uh, kind of summed it up saying, well, you know it when you hear it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good one too. You know, um, you know, there's there's some really great songs on this list that um, you probably might have not heard in a while, especially when you get to the the upper echelons of the 400s or or 300s. Whether you know it's a classic song from the 1960s that you know might not have um, a lot of TikTok videos being danced to, um, but they're all songs that. From my perspective, working in the industry, you just I just look at them going, it's amazing that a human being came up with this. <laughs> like, it's in a three-and-a-half-minute ability to create something from absolutely nothing that they wrote in complete isolation away from everybody else, but yet millions of people around the world, no matter what language they actually speak, they can probably sing a couple of lines from each of these songs. Absolutely. So again, this is the the top picks, the 500 favorite pop songs, and this is since the Billboard Hot 100 started back on August 4th, 1958. So uh, we're obviously not going to go through all 500, but in case people are curious, so the number 500, just making the list, is a song that I think fits into the description that you just said. Whether you love it or hate it, you hear the word Macarena and you probably remember something about that song. Yeah, and and they all have it wrong. I mean, you know, (laughs) this song is played in every bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah and wedding, but it's really, I mean, this is the great thing about pop music, too. It thinks you it makes you think that the song is about something but then you realize when you dig a little bit deeper it's nothing what you thought this is about a woman that cheats on her boyfriends and you know but meanwhile my 87 year old grandmother knows the macarena dance and does it every single time she hears it so it's one of those things where um you know you're going to remember this song and you're just going to be put right back into the 1990s well, that reminds me of, and I don't know if this song made it on the list. I'm guessing it did. It might be too old. But uh, the song, um, If You Like Pina Coladas, somebody was singing oh, it yeah. one day. And I said, you know, that's a song about cheating, right? Said, no, no, it's not. Yes, listen to the lyrics. It's a song about right. cheating. Yeah, I mean, you and I can probably talk about so many songs that are on this list, like Every Breath You Take. is a classic wedding song, but it's really about stalking. And, you know, so. but that's the beautiful thing about pop music is, um, you know, once you put something out there to the general public, you don't get to decide who's going to listen to it or what they think that the meanings are going to be. Exactly. All right. So I want to get to some of the songs. And I, I know we were going to go through the top 10, but I just want to mention, because Britney Spears has obviously been in the news a lot lately with her book coming out. So Baby One More Time was number 12 on this list. Prince made the list with Kiss at number 11. And then we go to the Beatles for number 10. Yeah, probably the most important song on this list. I mean, this was the one that not only created along with Elvis Presley, the idea of teenagers, um, the idea that they now had disposable income, and the idea of screaming. Um, even though Frank Sinatra did it and had that audience before, this song, I Want to Hold Your Hand, changed everything for America that we're still feeling the effects of. And do you think it sticks out then quite a lot from other Beatles hits? 
Yeah, only because it's one of those songs where when you watch the video, it's still in black and white. You know, like my daughter, when she first saw the video when she was a kid, she thought the entire world was in black and white. And then all of a sudden it went to color. So this song must be very old. Um, and it still it, it still has those that perfect moment of of meaning of love, like everybody wants to have their hand hold, you know? And so that was one of those things where it definitely still stands out as a classic pop tune. So that is number 10 on the list. Very different. We're going to shift gears completely. Number nine is Tupac and Dr. Dre, California Love. Yeah, this was one of the very few um, rap songs that are in the actual top 20, um, but the list is full of them. Um, Just one of those classic songs, especially coming back to the forefront now that some after all of these years have been arrested for the murder of Tupac and uh, California Love is one of those songs that even if you're not a rap fan you probably know and love. Yes absolutely all right let's continue down this is a a kind of a local uh, artist from BC Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen is the highest ranking Canadian on this list and this was one of the best pop songs ever written for Call Me Maybe a song that when it first came out didn't really kind of blow up at all it took a viral video with Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez dancing to this video that allowed Carly Rae Jepsen to have that success of it and you mentioned Earworm earlier just saying the words Call Me Maybe I now have that song stuck in my head yeah, it's so it's so great. So great. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson, number seven with Billie Jean. Yeah, changed everything for black music in America. Was one of the very first videos from a black artist to ever being played on MTV and much music. Um, was made for something like $147 and made Michael Jackson a little bit more than that coming off of that Thriller album. All right. Um, I've just lost my list, just went kaboom on me, but that's okay. I'm getting it back Uh, now. (laughs) Oh, that's, see, I think everybody will remember that one or probably still in some cases listens to it. Yeah, you know, Madonna is back out on tour during her version of the Eras tour of Greatest Hits, and this song is definitely in there. I mean, you know, when this song came out, so much controversy, so much hate about her, you know, using religion at the front for it. So, you know, definitely one of Madonna's greatest tunes. I don't know if Like a Virgin is also on this list, but it seems like it should be, doesn't it? Yeah, it is on the on, on that list for sure. All right, just a yeah. little bit lower down. Didn't make the top 10. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, she was, uh, Kelly Clarkson was uh, American Idol, correct? Yeah, she won the very first American Idol. And fun fact for people only interested in me, which is my family, this is the song, Since You've Been Gone, this is the very first song on my running playlist. If you can't get motivated to show those haters what you're all about, you actually might not have a heartbeat. I love this song. I have, I'm pretty sure I have a Kelly Clarkson song on my uh, running list. Did she, she also did Strong Enough, didn't she? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one that I find that you ha- if you, you don't go. run to that, then yeah, you're 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 not going to run if that's not going to get you going <laughs> either. Um, Backstreet Boys are in at number four. This is a song that seems to get more popular as time goes on. It's in a whole slew of commercials now. Um, but you know, you are my fire, the one desire. I mean, what woman wouldn't want that sung to them, especially by by the Backstreet Boys? So this song keeps keeps doing really, really well on there. You're right. I, I, you keep hearing it a lot and forgetting just how old. It was uh, 1999 that came out, wasn't it? Yeah, 1999. It hit number, uh, it hit number six 
Uh, so it wasn't even a top five song, but uh, one of the rare songs that didn't hit number one that's on this list. And now we go all the way back to 1965, and uh, here's a song people will remember by The Temptations. Yeah, this is my guy. Um, uh, you know, after Smokey Robinson wrote My Guy f- um, for Mary Wells in 1964, he decided to kind of go a little bit deeper and said, well, you know, what about my girl? And let's get both sexes buying our our music. And that's exactly what happened. And he wrote it for The Temptations, and it hit number one back in 1965. Still one of the great songs, especially when uh, when you kind of figure out that, you know, the song is 60 years old by now. Yeah, and good uh, good marketing on his part, thinking, uh, getting that out there as well. Let's get everybody. Exactly. Uh, ABBA is on the list, and uh, everyone, I think, will know the song Dancing Queen. That's number two. Yeah, this is this is a little bit of a surprise. It's not so much that ABBA is all over this list, but I think for Dancing Queen, it's one of those songs that ever since it came out back in 1977, it's really never gone away. You know, even in the 90s when you had artists like Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, they all bowed to the popness of ABBA. They all loved ABBA and, you know, there was no guilty pleasures when it came from them and so many songs. I mean, you can pick almost their entire greatest hit album for this list. And uh, we've talked about kind of the backstory to some of these songs, which many people will probably know and, and many won't, but this one doesn't seem like there's too much hiding in there in that it's about a 17-year-old that's letting loose at the disco. A little bit strange to talk about that now. Probably would have been canceled had they actually released it. But yeah, you know, but, you know, I saw her standing there by the Beatles was like, you know, she was just 17. 17 seems to be the age where it's like, it's a little bit risque, it's a little bit wild, a little bit weird, but it worked for ABBA because they were adults by the time and also married. So I think it was okay. All right. Uh, Let's uh, go to number one. Are you surprised with the number one song at all? Yeah, because I didn't even think about this song when I looked at the list. But then now that I see that I want to dance with somebody who loves me by Whitney Houston is at the top spot, this makes perfect sense. This is one of the most glorious, happiest, most feeling songs that anybody has ever written. Um, and it was written by a one-hit wonder duo that um, that did a couple of songs that aren't on this list, but they had a little bit of hits in the 1980s, and they created this song, and, you know, one of the greatest songs, of course, that was sung by the greatest possible singer ever with Whitney Houston. There's no denying that, you know, all of her woos and hoops and hollers just make anybody feel so good. And, and going back to kind of how you described or defined pop right off the top, this this song seems to check a lot, if not all of those boxes. Yeah, especially when it's about, you know, dancing and yearning and sex and love and popularity. Um, and the video is really, really fun, too. I mean, Whitney Houston looks great in it. It's got some 1987 dance moves in it, which makes it a little bit hilarious to watch now. But, um, you know, just when you think that the song is over, it keeps going and keeps coming back with a brand new outro to it that just elevates it to a whole new level. I love this song. So it's a, it's a lot of songs, 500 songs on this list. Do you think that the list, they've done a good job, the staff picks have done a, a good job of, of summing up pop music through the years? Oh, yeah. I'm just waiting for them to, like, capture the rest of the audience and go after the top 500 goth songs of all time. <laughs>
<laughs> well, when they do, Eric, we will have you uh, back on the show to talk about that. I got my mascara and leather jacket and <laughs> leather pants all ready to go like an idiot. Perfect. All right. Well, let's uh, do that. When that list comes out, we will uh, leave it there for today. But as always, Eric, great to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.